Hi Sonia, how are you? Welcome to the Creative Operations Podcast by Artwork Flow. Why don't you introduce uh, yourself, Sonia? Sure. Thank you so much, Arjita, for having me. I did not start out as a designer, although I studied design mainly. So that is one thing that uh, I feel uh, many designers uh, have gone through, or some have a very straightforward path of studying design and then working as a designer. For me, it has not happened the same way because. after i studied design i kind of had that inclination to try out my hand at copywriting so i was working as a copywriter uh, in a design studio for some time and after working there only then did i realize that you know design was my calling and i liked that a little bit more than writing but uh, i feel in terms of looking at design in a broader spectrum it's always uh, a mix of so many things that even if you're interested in a thing that is not exactly design focused somehow it meddles its way through design anyway so i think in that sense i'm very lucky that whatever my interests were whatever other things that i liked apart from design have somehow influenced the way i design today so uh, after this whole copywriting gig and then designing for digital I landed up at uh, Bizongo, where I was working with print for quite a few years, and currently I'm again into digital, uh, which is designing for an app called Gojek. So currently I'm uh, a part of their branding team, and we take care of many different requirements that the brand has. But uh, we'll deep dive into that further. Uh, but that's like the overall gist of my education and my career. and in the middle of it all i've studied a bit i've taught a bit so i do that on the side as well but uh, my main job is sort of just design so uh, thank you for the amazing introduction uh, sonia and i think you were the first i have no exposure or formal training in designer design but uh, whatever little that i know about design it started with working very closely with you when we were building desworks we started building desworks in 2018 we did some of those really interesting crazy quirky projects uh, with the alphabet tea box and then we picked up some really interesting commercial work with cadbury boneville and i think that was the first time when cadbury was also launching e-commerce packs in a big way on uh, in rakhi now they are really really big i see yeah. like all online channels of cadbury you know being flooded with those uh, festival packs especially on rakhi but we started that with them um so would you walk us through you know how your entire journey with bizongo desworks was back then when we were doing and you know building packaging as a vertical and how did it then translate into the work that you've done now over the last 3 to 4 years with gojek sure sure uh, i think it's so interesting that you brought up that particular project uh, it was challenging for not only us but for i think them as well like you said because it was their first launch for something like a rakhi pack yeah and so i think in terms of working on anything that's new for the first time uh, there have to be like you know mistakes made and there have to be things that you don't expect go to go wrong that they also go wrong so a lot of those happened uh, in the first project but the major thing to learn from all of this was that you know you do them better the next time or you look out for those when it comes to doing something like that again 
so i think the learning from that project was immense because that helped us navigate many more projects in the future but uh, to design for a brand like that in as your first project is something that i feel is exciting for anybody to work on like cadbury to work on mondelez because we have grown up with that brand makes us sound very old but so be it <laughs> i think uh, uh it's something that you always aspire to work for and i feel having that as a project in itself was a dream come true mm-hmm. apart from that fact i also feel it had various facets to it so it was not just graphics on the pack it was designing the pack itself and how you know the cold chain would relate to that because again chocolates have a tendency to melt in the indian climate so the introduction of gel packs and how to conceal them from the customer so that their experience is not spoiled all of those small things that we had to take care of which i feel as a designer i never ended up thinking when i received a pack like that because you just see the outer packaging you see the chocolates and then you are just happy with that but what goes on inside under the pack to make those chocolates look the way they look is i feel the behind the scenes work that designers have to do as well and i feel it is something that is more complex than it sounds because there are many different uh, key aspects to like the how do you say the details of the packaging because uh, i don't know what exactly to call those things that come outside the pack which are ribbed and mm-hmm. i think we struggled so much to just figure out how that ribbing would change the mechanics of the entire size and things like that so i think attention to detail was another thing that we learned on that project and obviously there's definitely stakeholder management that also comes into picture when you present the work to the client how they take it what's their feedback how you take it so all of that i think was a very interesting journey uh, because i know we started a little wobbly but when we saw the pack and it being executed it was a different joy in itself so to be able to work on like the design of it on the outer side with respect to illustration with respect to typography with respect to all the things that go onto the pack and inside it right to you know selecting the rakhis with you i think uh, that was and it was actually called joy deliveries <laughs> yeah yeah ironically yep. it brought us very little joy to make that whole thing but at least it was called joy deliveries <laughs> yeah yeah i think in the end it all paid off is what yeah. i feel yeah. and especially i also remember the library pack for bonville right it looks just gorgeous and i think the fact that it was the first library pack again we had yeah. the liberty to design it for the indian audience was not an opportunity everybody gets all the time so yeah yeah no that was a that was a really like a path breaking project for desworks as well so sonia tell us more about you know the current work that you're doing at gojek and i've heard this a lot of times and i've also seen uh you know i follow the gojek design team on instagram and uh you know uh, you guys work out of india but you're also designing for a market um that is a lot in singapore indonesia these kind of countries and the app is huge itself like it is the the, the impact and the touch points 
in terms of the number of consumers that consume on gojek app is is immense so you know tell us a little bit more about you know at that scale what does brand actually mean uh, for your teams and you know how do you go about building something that is uh, you know uh, th- that that has such a massive reach right right i think uh, in terms of gojek being such a huge brand i definitely scalability works uh, as the main crux of whatever we do uh, nothing mm-hmm. that we design can be designed for one particular small thing it mm-hmm. has to be applied to uh, you know a larger audience and it has mm-hmm. to be scalable but apart from this scalability factor like the brand in itself is called a super app which means that it has so many different verticals under gojek also which mm. means you you have your ride hailing apps you have your cars you have food you have entertainment you have daily services mm. so there are so many different verticals that and each have their own voice so yeah. you have to really analyze how all of their visual language can somehow relate to their parent brand and not confuse the audience yeah so i think it's quite a challenge maintaining all of those consistently at the same time to maintain their own unique voice mm-hmm. so uh, where we start at is also again the point you mentioned about it being uh, a brand which is indonesian mm-hmm. i think uh, so our team currently sits uh, in bangalore some of our team sits in uh, jakarta as well so uh, we have both these teams work parallelly to see how we can have or make something that is delightful to the consumers so we have quite a large team of brand designers of illustrators mm-hmm. of writers who work together to make sure that anything that we put out is scalable is also very uh, coherent to the gojek visual language to the voice of the brand so mm-hmm. we pride ourselves on calling uh, us very friendly like mm. you know your buddy like if you have any problems we'll solve it for you not getting a ride just call us or you mm. know that kind of a vibe so we don't want to be like oh you can book a ride here sophisticated luxury that's not the way we want to portray ourselves mm. so i think that also translates to how you design and design does not just involve again drawing mm. something and uh, f- finishing it and shipping it out it also involves the way you write and how that copy matches with that design to give you a entire experience hmm. apart from this i think the main difference in working at gojek is that it is entirely digital there is no print uh, like there was in bazongo before so for me as a designer switching from print to digital totally has been the major change hmm. uh, on how i used to work and how i work now so hmm. everything has to happen on a screen which mm-hmm. means that you have to look for and check for accessibility as well which mm-hmm. is something that you know that was also something kept as a very low priority earlier but in mm-hmm. today's world it's become like the top priority so mm-hmm. we have to take care that whatever we design whether it is colors whether it is copy mm-hmm. has to be accessible has to connect with the audience it can't be something that is so uh, you know so good that nobody can understand it if you know what i mean so when you say you know friendliness can you give me an example of how any project or any creative that you did like how that friendliness tone of voice actually came 
into execution in terms of how a certain campaign was done or a project or a creative was put out sure sure so i think a lot of our campaigns have to deal with indonesian culture mm-hmm. uh, largely because the brand is indonesian uh, mm-hmm. although we do function in vietnam singapore and jakarta so mm-hmm. in all it's going to be different region wise so we try to connect to each of these audience separately based on what makes them you know think or feel a certain way hmm. so i think with respect to jakarta i remember uh, there are a lot of different uh, drivers uh, who work for us that were like sort of converted into illustrations so we actually had real you know uh, people illustrations rather than just drawing them out of our own hmm. heads and trying to make sure that they are also uh, you know in a way advertise to the consumers as somebody who is like mm-hmm. again their everyday person that they meet on the street or anywhere else so i think a lot of the illustrations that you see currently are all stemming from real people that you come across in indonesia the way yes. they speak the way they look uh, the dresses they wear the color mm-hmm. themes they have all of that mm-hmm. is influenced from real life information mm-hmm. and people so i think in all the projects i i don't think it would just be one project that i would say oh this works mm-hmm. the best but in all projects we try to maintain this uh, balance so as mm-hmm. to make sure that the connection is there for sure whether mm-hmm. they uh, like the product or not is a different thing but at the same time the connection of just feeling like oh that looks like somebody i know or that mm-hmm. looks like me that should be there so that is what we go for in most projects we work hmm. so la- largely you know creating that relatability with the audience that's using the app in in that particular country be it indonesia or singapore right. or or vietnam so um, you know a lot of companies uh, have a brand book right so hmm. largely they have an illustration style a font style a guide a color uh, you know a color palette you know but most companies stop at that and when the time comes to actually execute uh, you know your designers are all over the place looking for different elements that they might want to use in a project so what is the framework to designing a brand book that encompasses everything uh, mm-hmm. and what what are all the elements that a brand book should have um, you know in in order for it to be complete and future proof uh, so i think many different brands have different approaches to first of all having a brand book hmm. some like it just as a guideline uh, to share with other vendors to, so that they follow it in case hmm. they are not designing stuff themselves hmm. so they want it to be pretty concise some brands like to have a very very detailed brand book but at the same hmm. time have multiple versions of you know smaller bits of information that they can circulate just so that you know that particular aspect is applicable for say a particular kind of communication hmm. but uh, at gojek i remember when we designed the brand book it was quite quite an extensive array of things hmm. in fact i just had just kept it here to show you how oh, it is that's so, so nice i yeah. I, i love the cut out thing with the <laughs> gojek logo on it yes yes so this is uh, our very very like most favorite project from our entire hmm. team and as you can see like it has uh, i don't think i'm wow that's it job at this but you can see like these are our color palettes and yeah 
that looks so detailed yes yes so it has a lot of different sections and mm-hmm. uh, it also has our visual language our iconography our mm-hmm. typography our color palette so mm-hmm. all of this information is necessary for a brand like gojek just because there are so many mm-hmm. sub brands to manage like i mentioned so when you look at something like this or designing something like this it's not just up to uh you know making something and just selling it off it's also mm-hmm. that very important that it all makes sense yeah so when you look at uh, uh, the logo right now versus the logo they had so this brand book was also made when we rebranded mm-hmm. a couple of years ago so our first logo was did your like, internal team work on that or did okay yeah, our internal team did and uh, currently the logo that you see is designed by our internal team okay and the previous logo that we had had a scooter and a wifi signal of sorts yeah. but when we expanded services that was not fitting in so mm-hmm. we have this logo which is called basically a solve s o l v okay so this is something that is used in all our communication so mm-hmm. that is something that always makes a difference to how you portray the brand as well with many different services coming into picture that becomes like our main identity and then mm-hmm. you sort of break it down to oh okay this is the color category for each of these mm-hmm. brands or sub brands rather mm-hmm. so designing this brand book not only just began from first fleshing out what we needed to add but mm-hmm. also referencing a lot as to how other you know organizations are doing it but uh, there are very few super apps that we could refer to for looking at how extensive it could be because ours was just going on and on so it was just about how to control you know your content as well and to see what's more important than the other so here we have our illustration style we have our uh, main uh, typeface defined how to use that we have our tone of voice we have our uh, visual language we have a bunch of things that are encased mm-hmm. in the current brand book but as i say this uh we are currently working on the next version of it already i was so, going to come to that you know because we we did a rebranding of artwork flow uh last year and actually desworks and artwork flow team internally did it uh-huh. so whatever you see on the website now is everything that we've done but the problem is that uh you know we created an illustration style but then you know 6 months down the line we realized that this is not something that resonates with our audience so we need to change that so it's also a moving thing i mean it it's never like you build something and then it lasts forever right uh, even when it comes to brand it needs to constantly evolve and understand the customer better true true i think that is one thing you have to like that's something you can't run away from to keep up with what's re- more relevant to you at this point you have to keep adapting mm-hmm. and open to that rather than be then it will just be like any traditional brand that never changes mm-hmm. but yeah some things need to change from time to time when you're trying to adapt mm-hmm. to the new things that keep cropping up in design hmm interesting so sonia the next question i have is you know while the design team and probably the marketing team also has a good sense of you know how do you adhere to brand right mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to say other stakeholders in the ecosystem right how do you ensure that the same brand adherence is also passed on to other stakeholders um that are um interacting with the brand or using the brand in some way 
like like i always uh, you know i always struggle with some of our teams like you know maybe the sales or the product team to make sure that everything that we have in the brand book while our team adheres to it but you know how to get other teams also to adhere to it whenever they are doing a project or a campaign or any right. kind of outreach right right i think it's the hardest job <laughs> truth has been spoken <laughs> yeah i think it's one of the hardest things that uh, you need to check up on once you've like put things out there and sort of circulated them and mm. that is not where your job ends it's mm. like constantly following up to check if people are actually implementing it the way you had designed it for them mm. or are they are they facing any issues and i'm not even saying that you know when you first design something it's like you're so confident that it will go ahead and be perceived in the same mm-hmm. way that you did as a team of designers all of us are used to seeing uh, things a certain way mm-hmm. used to even taking and absorbing things easily because we either have worked before or come from a similar background or things like that mm-hmm. but you don't know who is going to design for the brand when you give them the guidelines so you have to give them that benefit of doubt and see okay what are the issues they are facing is mm-hmm. the guideline too complicated to follow or is this just a you know rookie mistake of ignorance or you know something that slipped off okay so i feel i have experienced both uh, because sometimes you see some things and you are like wait where did that come from i didn't design it this way so I think those things are bound to happen uh, especially in larger organizations or in bigger brands mm-hmm. when you have to maintain the same tone of voice and same brand image everywhere there are bound to be a few hiccups but mm-hmm. I feel how you control those hiccups or uh, again how you take that feedback is important mm-hmm. because understanding why it happened mm-hmm. is usually the answer to most things either your guideline might be also complicated it might not be their fault at all Hmm. so you need to look back and reflect on okay how can i make this simpler or how can i make this more convenient for them to follow hmm. sometimes their problem is oh we want you know this sort of orientation of a creative and you don't have that taken into consideration at all in your guideline hmm. in that case we need to think about oh if that's the case you know let me add to the guideline so all of these things i feel can be taken care of but sometimes the scenarios that you don't foresee crop up so mm-hmm. at that time you just have to be on your toes to be like okay i've released something now i just have to see is mm-hmm. there any damage how big is the damage and how can i control it from my end mm-hmm. so i think it's usually you know that process of releasing something then waiting for okay is anything <laughs> is anything going wrong if it is why is it going wrong and mm-hmm. then trying to fix it up so i think uh, it is definitely an exhausting thing but what has to be done has to be done so yeah yeah and it's a constant struggle for all you know design and brand team to ensure that every at every touch point the guidelines are being adhered to for the coherency of the brand itself right. so you know uh, say talking in context of you know indonesia being the largest market of gojek right um any cultural connotations uh, from there and you also i know that you did a trip there uh, while you were designing this brand book so any cultural connotations or interesting insights that were um, you know brought back to the brand book and what is the impact of gojek brand that you experienced when you uh, you know had a visit there yeah i think uh, 
obviously my trip there made a lot of difference to me understanding how the product works because mm. it was almost like we all were designing from another country for another mm. country so yeah. that really creates some sort of a gap till you actually land there and realize the scale of it mm. like the moment you are on the streets you see like green everywhere yeah. and that makes you feel like oh like i'm designing for such a big brand and there are it's everywhere and uh, obviously uh, indonesia also has our biggest competitor who is also green <laughs> so you see us see of green then you are like oh that's that's us so i think what, what's that uh, the other competitor it's grab grab oh grab of course yeah, yeah. so uh, all both of us are green so that makes for a really interesting case to how we use our green so that's always going to be a important point of consideration whenever we look at say designing for helmets or jackets or you know all those accessories that even our drivers wear hmm. so uh, when you actually go there and you realize the scale of it it makes a difference to how you also perceive the app and how you uh, say book a ride or have an experience of booking or ordering food uh, that all of it really influences the way you would look at the app when you use it again versus you know designing from a very different country i feel when you talk about cultural connotations one thing that really stood out to me uh, when i was designing was uh, there are not many animals in our app so hmm. it's almost uh, you know there are no cats there are no dogs there are no birds it's just a lot of humans and uh, this is an uh, a discussion i was having with one of the illustrators from the team there that you know mm-hmm. is there any reason we are not adding any pets mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know how they perceive uh, animals in indonesia but mm-hmm. they are currently not a part of any okay. app so okay. uh, like maybe in india when i look at apps i think i've seen a couple of them just a cat go around or at least some graphics around it but there was an app there was a food delivery app that was literally called tiny owl and then they had a owl on their logo so yeah we do have animals yeah so yeah that's true i mean and food panda also right yeah. the panda in itself but i think uh, in our app we don't see a lot of these and now we have started introducing them a little bit so you'll see a cat here and there but at the same time it's also about why was this you know not included in the first place so i don't think there's a big reason for that i don't think indonesians are against any pets but uh, i also feel that uh, those things drastically differ culturally so mm-hmm. i think uh, in terms of that uh, you really have to take into account what again relates to them the most mm-hmm. i think uh, the attitude of indonesian people just like that never give up and you know mm-hmm. always find a way to you know do something in spite of all odds that's uh, our tagline is pasti ada jalan which is basically mm-hmm. there'll there'll always be a way so uh, that is something that we want to bank upon more mm-hmm. than you know go into the direction of say animals for instance mm-hmm. so i also feel there are priorities that differ based on cultural context and there are also different things that you would like to monopolize on when you are talking about a particular culture mm-hmm. i remember one of our illustrations again is based on a ghost who has like a hole in her heart okay. and leaves are flying through it and i think that's basically for no internet connection or 
you know something of that sort and uh, obviously i did not relate to your 404 is like a ghost with a hole in the heart yeah. so uh, it's very funny and all of the illustrations that we have have some sort of that you know sense of humor so i feel like when i try to understand it i just found it oh how funny but hmm. again when i like researched a bit and i found out there actually is a mythological story about some ghost and you know having a hole hmm. uh, in their body and i was like oh maybe you know indonesians pick up on those tiny things and relate to it more so for them it's like 2x level funny because they already have that context of that story hmm. so i think those kind of narratives play an important role and i think in india we have our own way of doing that in many different apps in indonesia it's different and i'm sure it will be different in vietnam and singapore as well mm-hmm. so i think culture plays a very big role in how you would perceive the story of an app or how you would perceive an app even as an outsider mm-hmm. uh, so i think uh, leveraging that is always a good idea when it comes to relating more to people and tell us story great i guess so that brings us uh, uh, you know we we talked a lot about uh, the gojek brand the packaging work that you've done i would also la- love to hear a little bit more about uh, your personal project so i you designed my wedding card which i i still i have a copy of it somewhere <laughs> but yeah i mean but you're a brilliant illustrator and you have a very um you have a name for yourself in the industry, in the illustrator community and you pick up these interesting projects like 36 days of type so tell us more about that and does that in some way also inspire you with your uh, you know work wherever you're working yeah yeah i think the personal projects and like such projects that are uh, especially for friends are very important uh, part of any designer's life i think because Uh, often personal projects lead to many different insights that you otherwise will not find in your professional work mm-hmm. i think that time when i work on anything that is you know in my job profile i always look at it from a very practical point of view from okay mm-hmm. how can i design this better so that like i told you about accessibility about all these things but mm-hmm. when you design for yourself or when you are designing for any personal project you really can let go of all that and just you know concentrate on the craft of it or not worry about the technical constraints of who not sticking to the brief yeah basically that i mean that is something that you don't get to do often in your professional life so i feel in your personal projects i try to do that i think uh, in terms of even making wedding cards for uh, anybody especially mm-hmm. people who are close to me i feel like that is such an important part of their life mm-hmm. and if i can be a part of their life in such a way it just gives me joy so i feel mm-hmm. like if that is also one thing that you would enjoy doing it just informs you know so many different things that you are interested in or you are drawn towards with personal projects like you know 36 days of type or i've done a couple where you know i've experimented with gurmukhi or mm-hmm. even with devnagri and i think all these scripts really interest me because i have not learned type designing formally but as a designer i end up using type almost every day for something mm-hmm. or the other so i feel doing all those projects just makes me you know think constantly about oh this script looks really nice can i make utilization of it in some way or the other Uh, mm-hmm. in another project or you know just it 
it makes you very very aware of all the available options that you would have uh, and it just feels nice while you do it as well so i think in terms of that i do like working on comics i do like working on such challenges i also like teaching so which is something i did not know before so till i did a small uh, you know guest faculty course at shishti i had no idea i would enjoy teaching so mm-hmm. that is something that just again informs you very differently i think i had never been on the other side i had always been on the student side mm-hmm. so just also getting some pleasures from the side of being a professor is totally different so mm-hmm. i think all those things definitely uh, you know inform me as a designer to make my skill set better and mm-hmm. to also make me think more about how much is a uh, you know set in stone uh, because that is an idea that i had when i graduated from design school or art school where things have to be a certain way for you to be mm-hmm. a designer but yeah. when you do all these things it just becomes like oh this is such a fluid environment that yeah. you do something here and you do something there they don't pro- probably have a relation but through design you can somehow you know connect so i think that makes a huge difference when you do personal projects along with your professional great sonia that brings us to the end of this conversation and it was lovely speaking to you uh, we just have like this uh, quick rapid fire section with some fun questions so sonia if your design style was a city which city do you think it would be a city not a yeah. country could be a country i mean i'll give you that i i mean it would be india only i think really <laughs> yeah because i feel uh, it's got so much chaos that uh, <laughs> that how much ever maximalist work i do it will somehow fit in i also do minimal work but very rarely hmm. so i would still say india because it's very colorful as well so hmm. yeah go india <laughs> i i actually i I think if I were to pick a city for your design style, it might be Singapore because there's some oh. chaos and culture, but there's also like a lot of like systematic and aesthetic aesthetic oh. sense to it. I don't know it. That's the first I mean, thing that came to my mind. I mean, we are still in Asia, though, so <laughs> that vibe. I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, which design cliche makes you cringe the most? Uh, I think it would be uh. make the logo bigger only <laughs> i think anywhere you go everywhere you go there is always one person who will say that so yeah yeah great uh, thank you for taking out the time uh, sonia this was lovely uh, it was also very nostalgic for me to you know think about those old days uh, where we were just like three four of us trying to build something in in the design space but yeah you've come really far and i'm always you know happy to see you grow as an illustrator as an individual and all the best for everything that's ahead for you thank you thank you so much for having me arjita and uh, yeah i hope to see you soon